Hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the Redeemed and Restored podcast, where we connect every Friday so that together we can intentionally discover the faithfulness of God. So today's episode of Redeemed and Restored is entitled, Have You Ever Been Groomed? And you may think this doesn't apply to you, but can I just say, sexual predators and other abusers use these very tactics on unsuspecting believers every day. The truth is that the church is one of the safest places for pedophiles to hide out. So the more you're aware of how they operate, as well as other types of abusers, the safer you and your loved ones will be. So when we talk about grooming, I'd liken it to being brainwashed little by little to believe as truth something that is actually a lie. When sexual predators groom their victims, they are working hard to get them to believe that they're safe, that they're loving, that they can be trusted, when in reality, they are the antithesis of those things. So sexual grooming and cult indoctrination definitely have some similarities. From an article online called How Cults Work, the author describes cult indoctrination or grooming in this way. A destructive cult uses countless techniques to get its members to stay and commit themselves. The sum of these techniques constitutes what some people call mind control. It's also known as thought reform, brainwashing, and coercive persuasion, and it involves the systematic breakdown of a person's sense of self. Thought reform is an umbrella term for any number of manipulative techniques used to get people to do something they would not otherwise do. But most psychologists believe that cult brainwashing techniques which are similar to techniques used in prisoner interrogation, do change a person's thought process. In cult recruiting and indoctrination, these techniques include, number one, deception. Cults trick new recruits into joining the group and committing themselves by hiding their hyper-controlling practices until the recruit has fully immersed himself in the group. Sexual predators do the same thing. Isolation is number two. Cults cut off members from the outside world to produce intense introspection, confusion, loss of perspective, and a distorted sense of reality. The members of the cult become the person's only social contact and feedback mechanism. Number three, induced dependency. Cults demand absolute, unquestioning devotion, loyalty, and submission. A cult member's sense of self is systematically destroyed. Ultimately, feelings of worthlessness and evil become associated with independence and critical thinking. And feelings of warmth and love become associated with unquestioning submission. Same thing with sexual predators. And number four, dread. Once complete dependence is established, 
the member must retain the leader's good favor or else his life falls apart. Another stunning parallel with sexual predators. So these are techniques I experienced as I was sucked into the cult web of deceit by Tim and Carla Williams. And it's chilling to realize how intentionally these steps were planned to deceive me into thinking I was doing God's will when I was doing anything but. So I filmed the introduction to this episode in front of the house that we were actually duped into buying for Tim and Carla. We had never in our 18 years of marriage bought a house for ourselves. But these con artists quoted scripture in Deuteronomy 10, 8 and 9 to justify why we should buy them a house. The scripture went like this. At that time, the Lord chose the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Agreement with the Lord. Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here for this week's edition of Redeemed and Restored. Today's segment is titled, Have You Ever Been Groomed? I thought about all the ways that Williams groomed me to reject anyone who questioned or disagreed with the doctrine that they were promoting. It started early on very subtly, a judgmental comment about another or an expression of alarm and righteous indignation when anyone didn't go along with their agenda. The word groom in this sense is defined as to prepare for a position, to make ready. Those in a position of spiritual authority who use that position to gain for themselves, whether sex or power or money, they use the same tactics to move their victim to where they obey their every command. And as I researched how predators groom their victims, it was chilling to see the similarity in the ways I was groomed. And as I thought about all the others involved in this same Christian church, that turned out to be a cult, it was telling to see the types of people this couple targeted. Broken, wounded, not healed from a life of abuse or trauma, those struggling with mental health issues, lonely, disconnected, minority groups such as morbidly obese, deaf, or those on the Asperger's spectrum. As in the six stages of sexual grooming, the first stage is targeting their victim. I believe false prophets and shepherds, con men charading as spiritual authorities, have a built-in radar that is demonically inspired that leads them to those who are most vulnerable to deception. This type of con artist, false shepherd, often looks for those who really want to please God to serve him wholeheartedly, those who are soft-hearted toward Jesus and eager to learn and grow. They take advantage of that hunger and use it for their own gain. The second stage is gaining trust. One tactic they often use is to have someone who is likable, someone people will confide in, that person acts as their shill 
defined as a person who publicizes or praises something or someone for reasons of self-interest, personal profit, or friendship or loyalty. Since most people were put off by Tim's demeanor, he used his wife and his sons as shills to promote Tim's calling as a pastor by praising his special insight. That was a technique they used to draw people in and build trust. I was somewhat taken aback at how well Tim seemed to know the scriptures. It was like he had a scripture to back up every single thing that came out of his mouth. And that made me feel like I didn't know the Bible at all. I mentioned in an earlier episode that I jumped right into full-time ministry shortly after surrendering to Christ, which kept me somewhat anemic when it came to the Word of God, because I didn't understand the difference between scriptures in context and scriptures out of context. I could easily be taken in when they use scriptures to back up their claims. What I didn't know at the time was that cherry-picking scriptures, also known as proof texting, is a common way that cults use scripture to manipulate their followers. When you read the same scripture in the context of the chapter or the segment of scripture, it can and often does mean something completely different than it was made to sound as just one or two verses. So because of my lack of scriptural foundation, Tim and Carla made me feel as though I'd believed a lie for the first 13 years of my Christian walk, to the point of where I even asked to be re-baptized because they made me feel like my first baptism wasn't even legitimate, that they had an inside track and that they were called by God to those who really wanted to give everything to God and be a real Christian. They drew us into a family-like environment that I really never experienced because, you know, they made it feel like a safe place. There were those involved who had history with them, calling them mom and dad as their spiritual parents. Again, these people who consider them their spiritual parents were just more shills always praising them as such incredible people and spiritually mature leaders. As Tim and Carla shared their story and how God spoke to them and gave them insight that many did not have, the trust factor grew. So then the third stage of the grooming process is filling a need. For me, in order to keep my pain and trauma at bay, I had to feel good about myself. And the fact that they led a group of believers on this narrow road while the rest of the church in America was on the wide road, that definitely appealed to my pride. Are you seeing a pattern here? I continue getting sucked in by these false prophets and preachers because they make me feel like I have insider secrets which puffs me up and numbs the undercurrent of undealt with trauma and pain. 
But remember, my family of origin was so broken. There was so little family unity and loyalty. Everyone in my family just kind of did their own thing and really didn't have much of a relationship with each other. Of course, little did I know, growing up in that atmosphere, that the deception was heavy and that double life was in full swing before my eyes, before I ever really learned the truth about my dad's mistress. So no wonder this felt familiar. I was being deceived by Tim and Carla as they built a family atmosphere. And since my experience with family was one big charade, and what they were doing was putting on an act, this instinctively felt comfortable and welcoming. The fourth stage of grooming is isolating the victim. By this time, Tim and Carla had oftentimes shared scriptures that commanded us to have nothing to do with those idolaters. Those who don't go along with their doctrine were considered rebellious. After all, Jesus didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. So we needed to avoid those who cause division. We shouldn't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Of course, anyone who didn't believe their theology was considered an unbeliever. Or the scripture, what has light to do with darkness? In obedience to the Lord, we set out at Tim and Carla's insistence to confront each family member or friend that we saw in sin, which really meant not following Tim and Carla's legalistic and judgmental doctrine. As they one by one rejected the spirit behind this doctrine, we had to apply the scriptures that commanded us to cut them off. These scriptures were used out of context to persuade us to cut out of our lives any children, any relatives, any friends who didn't go along with Tim and Carla. And then they even got me to divorce my husband in Jesus' name when he realized what was happening and left the church four months after we invited them to start and come to Enumclaw. The fifth stage of sexual grooming is sexual contact. In spiritual abuse, I believe this is when I gave over my allegiance to these spiritual authorities, allowing them to be my Holy Spirit and basically drinking the Kool-Aid in not questioning anything they laid down, believing they were sent by God to teach me truth and save me from myself. It's amazing to think back and see things that looked like confirmation that Tim was hearing from God early on when he pronounced that the Y2K big blow up wasn't going to be an issue. And then that's exactly what happened. That seemed to give him credibility and drew me deeper into his web. I can remember other times where his words came to pass, which again, deepened my loyalty. I now know better than ever that even the enemy of our souls can allow people who are preaching a false doctrine to look like they hear from God in order to deceive more and more and potentially deceive even the elect. The final and sixth stage of grooming is maintaining control. I watched Tim and Carla take more and more control the longer it went. 
One time they lined us all up sitting in chairs in the conference room at the Winepress Publishing offices. And Tim went down from person to person saying, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. When he said, if you don't repent, what he really meant is if you don't agree with me, you're going to hell because I hear from God and you don't. Another way they maintained control was in the way that they would shame and shun anyone who did not repent correctly or hear from God the way Tim wanted them to, which of course would mean that, you know, if we're repenting correctly or we're hearing from God, we're agreeing with him, not disagreeing. One time I questioned Tim and a decision that he made. He proceeded to quote scripture after scripture, deal with the log in your own eye before you look at the speck in mine and don't touch God's anointed. He even accused me of having a bitter root. He was so persuasive that I admitted I was bitter. So he required proof of repentance, quoting the scripture to me about how those who were involved in witchcraft were told to go and burn their scrolls in Acts 19.19. I was clearly exhibiting witch-like behavior. And the proof of my repentance would be for me to shred every journal in my possession. He, of course, knew what I said in my journals and knew that he was guilty of what I'd been processing and journaling. So he wanted to make sure the evidence was destroyed. He then had me double delete every email in my possession that was in my sent file that pointed out what he was doing so that I could never refer back to that email again. The one that contained all the facts, all the statistics, all the footnotes of every point I was making to him. The control these predators have over their victims is so evil, I can barely even stomach as I recount the things that were done in the name of the Lord. You know, it's not always easy to hear from God to be still and quiet enough to hear his voice and then to be a Berean and confirm that what you believe that you're hearing from God does not contradict the scripture. I came to a place where I thought it was easier to let them be my Holy Spirit. No, of course I didn't have that conscious thought or say that out loud, but it was clear that I did not fight for my freedom to be able to have my own thoughts and opinions and holding their declarations up to the light of scriptures. No, I gave that up. Instead, I let them bully me and intimidate me into submission. I think this was my lifelong pattern of avoiding conflict and confrontation and wanting people to like me. And it paved the way for me to be controlled by the demonic forces at work in Tim Williams for almost 13 years. The spiritual abuse I experienced was minimized by scriptures like, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but later it yields a harvest of righteousness for those who learn from it. And the scripture that says God loves those he disciplines. 
using these scriptures to justify themselves, they gave themselves permission to verbally, emotionally, and spiritually abuse me. Have you ever looked back at certain relationships in your life and realized you were systematically groomed for a certain end result? I know that as I do, it is a sickening feeling. Of course, there's shame and regret, wondering how could I, a strong, confident, successful businesswoman, be so deceived and conned by those who were distinctly used by the enemy to destroy my testimony and witness for Christ. You know, it doesn't have to be as extreme as what I experienced. It could be an abusive husband or boyfriend, a controlling and manipulative parent or sibling, a business partner who perhaps defrauded and took advantage of you, or even a close friend who turned out to be emotionally abusive. I think we've all experienced relationships in the past that the enemy of our souls has influenced and used strategically to bring us harm. Praise God that he can use those trials to deepen our faith and teach us how to better discern the red flags he waves to try and get our attention. So, hey, thanks for joining me today. I look forward to connecting with you next week on Redeemed and Restored. And as usual, I'd appreciate it if you would, you know the drill, like, follow, share, comment on the episode. I'd love to hear just how God is speaking to you. What is he showing you? I'd love to connect. My name is Athena Dean Holtz, and this is Redeemed and Restored. So thanks for joining us today on the Redeemed and Restored podcast, brought to you by Athena Dean Holtz and the Romans 828 Bookstore, a division of Redemption Press. I'd love to have you review and share this podcast with friends, family, and others who can use the encouragement. And be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Athena Dean Holtz for more tips and tools to help you find the faithfulness of God. So thanks for joining us today. See you next week for another episode of Redeemed and Restored.